bending over backwards, even though her back hurts. Oh yeah, Martha in the day, Jezebel at night, frisky on fire and holding up the sky. I'm a wild, wild woman, Mother Mary with a bullet in her teeth. I'm a wild. We're so excited that you decided to stick around and join us for another conversation. For those of you who decided to come back and continue to listen to um, the shit show that we are, we really appreciate you. Um, Let's just jump right in on this really tough topic um, that is so prevalent and gets so much press and gets talked about a lot. But um, I think we want to take a little bit deeper look at it and maybe cover some angles of it that... um, you're not really getting a lot of coverage on. What we're going to talk about today, our topic is burnout. Burnout in midwifery, burnout in health care, burnout, burnout in as womanhood. a woman. <laughs> Woman-centered burnout. Um, yep. I mean, it's such a hot topic, and I think a lot of people um, have been talking about it, especially with the pandemic, especially with healthcare, um, we're losing tons of nurses, tons of providers to burnout. But um, I don't think a lot of people are talking about what's behind burnout. Um, yeah, like what? So yes, all these people are leaving in exodus in droves for, as providers in the hospital, as providers in a practice. Um, they're just leaving healthcare, and the pandemic was the the camel that, you know, the straw, whatever the whole saying is, this this is what broke it. It was already broken, but this pandemic came in and busted this dam wide open. So what's behind it? And where can we start to acknowledge this, talk about this, and how are we going to fix it? Because if we don't come through and start giving a voice to this, it's never going to get fixed. No. And this was a topic that was strong for me prior to the pandemic, and I had already Um, started to kind of pick it apart, tease it apart in my mind um, before any of this COVID stuff happened. And I had been watching it happen to different people that um, I cared about and that I had worked alongside of and and, um, it started to really try and tease apart what was going on with burnout. And and like Mel said, when the pandemic hit, it just broke it all wide open and it became a buzzword, which is horrible when something becomes a I think buzzword. It was, yeah, I think it was a buzzword before, but the pandemic really put it in there. Yeah. And right. And I think, you know, how did we go in two years as being healthcare providers, as nurses, because most of us are nurses, how do we go from being heroes to now being, um, you know, the scum of the earth, right? Like, it's just not right. It's not fair. We're disposable. Um, yep. We're disposable, right? And as as women, we've been taught we're disposable from birth. Um, so we're gonna we're really gonna get into this. And I, I think I want to preface this by saying, um, Nicole and I, we've talked about this a lot. And she had printed off some of our text messages. And you yeah. know, my first line was, I'm so pissed off. And I think 
I just want to say anger really resonates inside me. It's like my first go-to emotion. <laughs> and so it, it's just an easy emotion for me to tap into. And I think it is for so many of us. Um, and as I dived into and read this book cover to cover, I'm going to hold it up and you all can't see it. Um, but I read the brand new New York Times bestseller book called Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle by Emily Nagoski. And I want everybody to know, uh, we've never talked to her. She doesn't even know we're hawking her book on this show. But I've got it earmarked with sticky notes. Things are highlighted. They are stuff coming is so out cool. all three sides. Like, I can see the book. All and three like sides of this book. Stickies <laughs> everywhere, which is completely Mel's style, I, by the way. Completely. Yeah, my style. And like there's notes in the margins of the book, which is which is how I do when I read books because things hit me and I'm like, oh, that's a good one. Um, and so I just kept saying, I kept sending Nicole texts and I'm like, I'm really pissed off about this because – it hits home. And when anger when anger comes up, it's like what's underneath the anger, right? So many of us, anger is our top emotion because we don't want to go down further and then it gets into the stickiness of what makes us as humans. Um, and so for me, I got, like I said, initially mad. And then when I started diving into it and looking like, okay, what is it about this that's making me so angry? This, this, the the truthfulness in this book. And it's that we as women have been taught from birth <laughs> to be, to always put our needs last. That's what it is. We are, she gives it a name. Emily Nagoski gives it a name. She calls it the human giver syndrome. And as I sat there and, and took in this misogyny and, and the way she writes it, and I'm like, that's it. The human giver syndrome. Like we in our day-to-day -day life as women are expected to be pretty, to be happy, to be calm, right? We're going to make smile all the time. Don't, don't upset the apple cart, right? Don't make a scene. Always take care of everybody else. And we're supposed to do this in our private life, our personal life. And as midwives, we all carry this through. We do. And as and, healthcare providers. And even though we are a profession that is largely made up of women, we do it to and with each other. That when there are voices of dissent or voices of differing mm -hmm. opinion, we kind of rally around to make those voices go away so the picture can be pretty again. Um, right. And that whole process is exhausting. It's 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 a battle. We're we're fighting a constant battle. We're in war all the time. We're in war for our our, our instincts inside. You know, we got to self-preserve, be self-preservation, but at the same time, you know, you got to take care of other people, but it, it's but then if you try to take care of yourself and set boundaries, you're considered selfish, right? Which I want to I want to make that word a positive word. <laughs> I don't want it to have any more negative connotation. Um so God, this plays so deep into burnout in healthcare. And it and I will say also that burnout always shows up, even for always. those people who say or believe that they aren't burned out. Um, it shows up in the little things that we do. The self protective mode is what we go into mm -hmm. when we start to feel yep. that burnout. Um, and so even if we are poor with boundaries or especially 
for people who are very poor with boundaries because they've been in that giver syndrome, that role, um, it starts to leak out in other ways. And usually those ways are toxic and not helpful to the people around you Mm -hmm. because you are not in a place where you can acknowledge that you're burned out and that you can't give. Um, And you're, you know, you're so trained to be a giver that to admit to yourself that maybe you need some boundaries in place between you and everything else in the world. Um, Maybe, you know, you're even feeling like you're not good enough. You know, it brings Mm -hmm. up so many, it churns up all those emotions. So instead of dealing with those emotions, you adapt behaviors that are self-protective because you need it because you're burnt out. Um, but that don't and let's face it for most of us issue. correct and for most of us those self-preservation behaviors are things that we have fine-tuned since childhood because they've served us well throughout our life to get us to where we are there's so much behind this behind burnout instead of just burnout and and burnout is is just a symptom it's not right. the problem right. burnout is a symptom right of a larger process that's churning on behind you. Um, And so anytime that you make an attempt to fix the symptom without addressing the problem that lies behind it, you're just pushing it further down the road to someplace else. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, So I think for, for, I know for me personally, I'm going to speak for myself, um, my burnout shows up as like exhaustion. Um, and I have a sense of I lose some compassion for the women that I'm treating. Um, and, I, and I've seen that firsthand for myself. And I don't like that because I can acknowledge that it's happening. Um, I consider myself a pretty attentive midwife when I'm in the office. But there's sometimes I'm just, you know, you're tuned out. You're like, oh, you're in the in the exam room and you they're talking, you know, you're, they're sharing and, and discussing what's wrong. And you're just kind of like, I don't have the time, you have compassion to be here today. Um, and just you're exhausted. We, especially as midwives, God, we, we just burn the candle at both ends. We are just plum wore out. Um, and that needs to be addressed too, which we'll do that at another time. I think we're going to do another session on talking about scheduling and yeah, setting firmer boundaries and, around that. You know, I feel a lot of times when I'm in observation mode and watching how things play out um you see certain behaviors in colleagues um that they're not obviously saying that they're burned out but they're acting burned out Mm -hmm. um when you um are continually the midwife who sits on the inductions versus Mm -hmm. progressing them forward. Not that Mm -hmm. every single induction that uses Cervidil is showing up as burnout, but we know there are times when we have as ourselves used it as like, I'm just going to do Cervidil because I need a rest. There are providers who show up in those ways that they are in continuous need of that rest. Yeah. You know why? They're burned out. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's not necessarily, I you know, you get caught up in those conversations. Oh, so-and-so is so lazy. It's not necessarily a, a value judgment of them being lazy. Maybe 
they're burned out and don't know how to communicate. They're burned out. They're poor with boundaries. Poor with boundaries. I also think that because of the way that we've been brought up in the society as women of, of don't address what's really going on, you know, keep the mask there. Right. And we are in the United States, a society of grit, persistence, get it done, constantly on the go, no time to acknowledge and what's going on for real inside of you. And so I think a lot of that, you feel like a sense of failure if you're not, um, if you admit you've got some defeat here. Right. Like, I feel defeated. I'm tired. I need rest. And when you say that, people you know, people are like, what do you mean you need rest? I can keep going all day. How, how many times have you said that to somebody? I'm like really tired. And they're like, what are you tired for? Yeah. I can we, keep going. We really do have that mentality um, within our um, – our sisterhood of midwives where there's there's that thought that if you admit to being tired if you admit to um just not feeling it that you're seen as a lesser midwife mm-hmm. right and it's not fair and what's what's the average i think we we weren't um we work five years before we start looking at other options of leaving midwifery. I think it's five. Yeah. Like, no, that's crazy. Yeah. Five years. And I know within our personal circle, we've all kind of had this discussion before. And when we all hit that seven-year mark, um, mm-hmm. yeah, we started to really feel it in our bones, like that we needed to change, we needed to shift. It was with our hospital-based midwives. It was with the midwives who were working out of hospital. But that seven-year mark was – just tantamount to that shift that people mm-hmm. felt. It is. I'm at what five to six years now out from school. <laughs> I I just like I said in the first or last episode. I don't know if I'm going back to bedside. Um, I'll have to see where that plays out. But I think um, moving forward through some of this. So like when you start to sit there and feel these. When you have these feelings inside you of burnout, the loss of compassion, loss of caring, your exhaustion, um, depersonalization, feelings of not being worthy, I think we need to start shifting it. How are we looking at this? Like, what is the benefit of continuing the falsehood of working all the time and just, you know, burning out? Like, what is that benefit of that? Who is that benefiting? Um, it's the system benefiting the hospital system. <laughs> the system that's who it's benefiting. Or the, the birth center system, or right. whatever system is set up, because we're not all in that <laughs> system. But they are that system, though, is designed to burn through you people out. Yeah. It is designed to burn your providers out because when you leave, there's somebody else yeah. right behind you, willing, willing to step into that role in and take person. the abuse. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is a systemic problem. It is not a person problem. Right. It is not that you're not. I think that's what we wanted to talk. Yeah, it's it's a complete systemic problem, and the hospital systems, the insurance systems, um, are a patriarchal systemic problem. Obstetrics is a patriarchal system. Mm Mm-hmm. Completely antithesis of midwifery and its origin and design. Right. Midwives traditionally weren't in this to burn out no we were in this to take care of mamas when women and families were doing this in their communities 
they were probably also at, at some points working harder than some of us are now, but they were independent. Mm-hmm. They had boundaries and families, connection. Um, and it's, you know, once we entered into the machinery of the system set up by men um, and mm-hmm. the male system of our society, um, they've done it to themselves, Does but we've also become... Allowed it to happen. Yeah, we've become a part of that as well, where we're just cogs, a moving yep. part in a larger machinery. So I think I want to acknowledge that, you know, the shifts that occurred in women's rights and and bringing women up through the ranks in the 70s and the 80s, like they worked hard to get us to a point where we're at, where we can have more roles in in higher management and CEOs and CFOs. Um, We're not there yet. You know, that's like a 80 to 20% difference. Um, I do want to acknowledge that. But I also want to acknowledge that um, I don't want to play this game. And I, I'm not in it for that. I, I agree. And I think also to just continue without advancing, further advancement, mm-hmm. it doesn't honor the rules, the sacrifices that all the women who before us made. Um, they did not right. make those sacrifices so that we could um, level off our achievement and end it there. Right. And then also... Right burn through each other. The right. purpose of all of that foundational work that they did, whether they're aware or not, um, because I think there are some that are still working in an existence who do carry on that, well, I I did it. You should be able to, too. You should be able to do it, too. But that's, <laughs> that's a smack in the face of the foundational work of progress that they did. We should be continuing to progress. We should be continuing to grow. Not sitting still not shaming each other. I agree. Um, and I think also just that we need to have a seat at the table, how we're going to change this. You know, the, the new generation coming in these, everybody likes to make fun of these Gen Xers and Zers and whatever else they're called. I think they're pretty cool. I really do because they want to come into a job with a good work-life balance. And that's yeah. really important to them. Um, and so I want to jump on board with those kids. <laughs> I agree. I mean, that's exactly, I think, what we're driving towards, right, is we are so caught up in shaming. I've And I've had the conversation myself, oh, these new midwives, they don't want to work weekends. Oh, they don't ever want to work a night shift. I don't think that's true. I think what they're saying is we don't want to participate in the same system that exists. Mm-hmm. We want mm-hmm. a different system. It's mm-hmm. not that the new grads um, want all the pay and none of the work. And I've had I think those they conversations. Want to, they're willing to work. Yeah. Yeah. They're willing to work. They're, but they want respect and they want appropriate pay for the work that they're doing. And they want good work-life balance. And I'm like, hmm, Right. And instead, <laughs> we engage in conversation. We, meaning myself and others that I have had the conversations with, um, but like I've had those conversations too, like, oh my gosh, I know. Like, how did they ever want to become a midwife and not think they were never going to stay up all night? 
Um, but right. that's a shaming conversation. That's it's my shaming own burnout conversation. showing mm-hmm. up. That is how Correct. burnout shows up. It's not just that I'm exhausted or it's not just that um, I, I can't connect with my patients. I mean, it shows up in the way we communicate with one mm-hmm. another and the way we look at one another and the way we shame one another. Um, that's burnout. It's, it's not just the obvious things. Um, and that can't be fixed by getting a massage. That can't be no. fixed by uh, lighting a candle. The, the whole self-care is a farce. I think that is a money-making gimmick that has been put out there by... Uh, yes, you need massages. We do. We need massages. But self-care is an inside job. Correct. Self-care is boundary setting. Self-care is saying, I'm going to curl up with a book and read now and a cup of tea and leave me the fuck alone. That's self-care. Self-care is, I'm not working 72 hours for you this week. Yes. That's self-care. It's it's the internal work we do to become our own best advocate. That is self-care. That's showing up for yourself. And it's also me, you know, um, eating well, mm-hmm. exercising. Those things are self care. So the bonus of it is yes, a massage is great. Facials are lovely. Um, but what are you doing to get yourself there? And they don't that you have the time to be able to take that recharge your battery the way no, it's they sold don't. to you because it does not. That massage did not fix the conversation you couldn't have with whoever it was you needed to have the conversation with. Um, yeah. So when we think about burnout, I mean, the the way I like to think about burnout is how am I not showing up for myself? Because that mm-hmm. burnout is the symptom of me not being clear in my boundaries or me not being um, aligned in practice with my beliefs. Um, that's that's what burnout is. That's how burnout shows up. It's not the hours you work. Um, I mean, over time, yes, no one can work the the number of hours that some people do forever. You're you're gonna burn well, out. I from think the I want exhaustion piece you, of it. But yeah, you know that there our our midwife schedules are bullshit. Yeah. You see them advertised but on the there. They're like, oh, comes. come work with my cl- my group. And, you know, we've got four four days of call and one in four call- or four days of office and one in three days of call. It's a great system. You know, you're like, no, Whoa. that is not. No, it is not. <laughs> I want post-call off. I want three, two days in the office. Like, that's 40 hours a week. But I will also say that when you, because I spent that year doing um, – my own work, working part-time for mm-hmm. one practice and PRN for another. Right. And um, there were times when I was in charge of how much I worked that I completely overbooked myself yes. um, and and worked myself way too hard. And I will still say that even though I was exhausted and felt stressed by that situation, I was not burned out because... It was not coming from without me. It had come in from within that I had been mm-hmm. the person who had made those well, decisions. Well, you chose it. You made that decision. It was remarkably different than, than the decision even being made when for you. 
I was mm-hmm. working in another environment and maybe I was working less, I was actually far more burned out within that system. Mm-hmm. And so because I wasn't in alignment, because I was feeling um, like I wasn't able to advocate for myself in those situations, the burnout was present. When mm-hmm. I was scheduling myself and overextending myself and not showing good boundaries, yes, I was exhausted. Um, but it wasn't burned out. And right. I would simply learn my lesson and I scheduled myself maybe a little less extensively the <laughs> month following, correcting it. But sure enough, two or three months down the road, there I was overscheduling myself. Mm-hmm. But I was doing that because of the enthusiasm I felt. Um, because I felt like I could commit to that schedule only to find out in the middle of it, it wasn't working for me from a purely physical standpoint, um, which could spill into the mental. But I think it just highlights a big difference between what burnout is and what exhaustion is because the two are not the same thing. They're not the same. The compassion fatigue, that's another key buzzword right now that we're hearing. It's not the same as the burnout. Um, I think you hit on something really important about your workplace and how many of us stay in a bad situation, stay in a toxic practice and and workplace and a relationship with other providers. We stay in that because we perceive as women that we don't have another option or we're dismissing our own self, minimizing what's going on. Um, We we feel helpless and hopeless. And again, that is because it's the patriarchy of the system that we're working for and what we've been raised as women, because we're constantly giving and don't upset things and don't acknowledge. Um, But I think we don't start stepping out of these environments, it's going to continue. And, um, and we're going to do another segment on, on toxic workplaces. Too. Definitely, that's its yeah. own topic. Um, but it does yeah. play you know, a big role in your burnout. So really mm-hmm. having to, to accept that when you're not in alignment, you are in Correct. Um, at great risk for falling into that burnout. And in the long run, that's not going to serve you or your dreams as a midwife. You're really doing your patients in, um, ill service by staying in those situations. Um, you're doing yourself no favors, obviously. You're doing mm-hmm. the profession no favors. Um, I know we hear it all the time, like, I don't have any other options. But I think if you look at those situations as a challenge to your creativity. Mm-hmm. And you have options. You have options. You have options. I think midwifery is one of the most creative job asp- what we can do out there. And so many of us now are living in states where we're gaining more autonomous practice. We can step out of that environment. If you're going to work in the morning with a knot in your stomach, that's not the place for you. And I know I've done it. You shouldn't. And I was in one of those situations where on paper, I should have been extremely grateful 
to be where I was. Right. And Again, what we're I was taught doing. to be grateful right? for what we're being given, right? Yep. Look at this great practice. Look at what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And the reality was, it was a mismatch. The, the reality was not what was represented on paper, it was not the image that other people had and were um, thinking that my opportunity was. The reality mm-hmm. of my situation was untenable at times. Um, and when you're in those modes, your own creativity is actually being shut down. So mm-hmm. your thoughts of not being able to think your way out of that and thinking that you don't have options is also part of that process. It's built into that process. The shutting down of your connection to yourself, you're not in alignment. Of course, you are having difficulty tapping into your own creativity and figuring your own way out of it. It's part of the process. So finding ways to reconnect to yourself, to your core Mm -hmm. self, is terribly important if you're going to be able to navigate your way out of that. Um, if you're feeling like you just are in a place in a situation where you don't have options. Um, in the in the book, Emily Nagoski, she talks about this book being the prescription needed for the diagnosis that we're giving of burnout, so, which I love because you know it, it does. It, she she starts in the beginning with patriarchy and misogyny and works her way right through it to the end. Where what can we do? Uh, about about burnout. And so one of the things we've talked about, obviously, is self-compassion for us um, and how to navigate some of these, becoming the, the identity that we want to have and the creativity with what we want to spark. Um, and I think sitting down and doing the work, like writing for me, I'm a writer. So being able to write things down, um, how do I see myself? You know, you kind of, you might be surprised at what you perceive yourself as is what other people perceive you as you know you don't give yourself enough credit a lot of times we don't do that we're really good as women of doing that um we whip ourselves as a, you know as she says um so looking looking into it and digging into it instead of saying like i'm such a failure or i don't do this right or i'm this or i'm that you gotta stop because because you're somebody and you're somebody important and we need to start being the change agents to and I don't want to say we're never going to end burnout because it's always going to be there. But we have to be the change agents for stepping up and figuring this out better so we can give better care to the women that we serve and their families. Um, so that's that's the answer. And, and it's it, boundaries. Yeah. And it requires having an honest conversation with yourself. Honest. Um, it requires finding your voice, which is terrifying when your voice is alone in the wilderness mm-hmm. um, and you're um, upsetting the balance of things. Why can't you just or, mm-hmm. or or getting that judgment, that value judgment that people might be wanting to throw out at you? Like you don't want to work hard. Um that it maybe oh here's one that I I've heard many people tell me maybe midwifery just isn't for you that's <laughs> bullshit if you have ever been a- the and the receiving end of that comment or somebody has has looked at you kindly and gently and said maybe this just isn't the work for you they're gaslighting you 
Mm-hmm. And you need to yep. think very carefully about everything that comes out of that person's mouth because that's their trauma being placed on you. Right. Yep. We're, we deal with a lot in this, in this line of work. It's, it's, uh, it's interesting, it, it which is why we're talking about it. Um, I mean, it needs to be talked about. Like, it's, it has to be talked about. You've got to stop accepting um, these value judgments on ourselves as being truth. Yeah. They're not true. They're not true. They're not true. And you know it in your gut when you hear those things, that it's not true. But you question it. Maybe I'm not. Everybody else I'm looking at is just rolling with it. Why do I feel so different? Why is this not working for me? It's not you. You're seeing things clearly and Mm -hmm. you're wanting a change. That's what's going on. And you're enough. Trust yourself. Trust yourself. If it doesn't feel right, it's not right. It's not right. And it's not that you don't right. want to work. And there are some, you know, some really amazing midwifery practices around. Um, you know, and we have some friends, Nick and I have friends that have worked in some, fan- are still working in some great um, practices, which we hope to bring to you on this podcast. Um, but for the, I think they're the exception rather than the rule. Yeah, I think they are the exception. I'm so excited too that um, we want to, you know, find those practices, sit down with those practices and have the real honest Mm -hmm. conversations. I think one of the things that we are going to find, I'm just going to throw out a prediction, um, is that they value their people, their midwives over um, anything else Mm -hmm. that they truly exemplify. They don't just um, have a mouthpiece that says our our midwives are our number one assets, um, that they truly have found ways to make that a lived value within the practice. Right. Right. I agree. And and you know, like when you look on the job boards, you know whose practice is unstable. Because <laughs> they're advertising for a new midwife every three to four months. Okay. So And then there are some you know. practices, and you and I talked about this, that hire very locally, under the radar. Um, Mm -hmm. without ever posting anything. And so sometimes it can be a little bit harder, but definitely there are the ones. You definitely can see that on there, right? And you're like, that's a red flag over there. Don't go near that practice. And it Um, has great pay and they say great great hours. Great hours. But this is the third time this year we've seen them post. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, they're cycling through for a reason. Um, and then yet, yeah, you know, I'm really, so I'm going to throw this out there. I, I really am hoping I get in to talk to Charleston Birth Center because they just seem to have a good thing going. Um, they're, they don't hire midwives that often. You don't see them on the board. And it's something I, someplace I had the opportunity to interview at a few years ago and passed up and I'm kicking myself for it. But I was finishing my family nurse practitioner, so it didn't work at the time. Um, I want to talk to these practices that are stable and they and their midwives seem like they're staying and they're staying for the right reasons. Yes. Um, so and there's your yeah. change so agents, we're gonna, right? We really need to correct. bring them to correct. the forefront and have the conversation correct. about what they're doing, right? And so it gives yep. you your voice too. If you're out there saying, yeah, I love everything you're saying, but I don't even know where to start, 
that's part of why we want to bring these practices mm-hmm. on and have the conversation so that you can spark that creativity in yourself. Right. So you right. can take those ideas and find ways to implement them where you are. Right. That's what we're hoping. That's what we're really, we're keeping our fingers crossed. This podcast does good things I think for everybody. We're, we're on to something, Mel. I think we're on it. We want to be joyful. Yes. <laughs> we're tired of being we're, angry. We agree. Really, I'm not, I know. I just, <laughs> I want to be joyful. For some perimenopausal, so things really piss me off. <laughs> I love this phase, though, I have to say. Um, letting go, letting down all of those barriers um, mm-hmm. really is, it's so freeing. It really is so freeing to, to not so give a freeing. fuck anymore. It worked for me just so recently with this newest boundary that yes, I it just did. high five. Um, it felt so good. Good and and maybe we'll talk about it a little bit further down the road. Right now things are a little bit in flux. I don't feel like um, I'm in a place where I should be going into depth. But I did throw down some amazing boundaries, and mm-hmm. it felt great and with no regrets, no explanation. That's nope. my favorite part. Was I didn't spend the time or waste the energy explaining myself about anything because. My sentence was a full sentence. Yes. Nicole and I, we have really been talking about that. And that again, that plays in burnout too. You don't need to give an explanation. No. You don't. No is enough. Sorry, that doesn't work for me right now. Oh, how empowering is that? It's really fucking empowering everybody because it, that's what I did. <laughs> yeah. That's all you need to say. No, yeah, sorry, no, that doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for me. Oh, and let me tell you, it will cause some shit. Yes, it does. People <laughs> do not people are, like it. They feel like they're not owed like an explanation. They're not owed anything. They're unless not. it's written into a contract that you must provide a detailed explanation and you signed off on that, you don't actually mm-hmm. owe anybody an explanation for jack shit. So, and let me ask this. this. Let me take it a step further. When a man says to you, no, I can't do that. People are like, okay, okay, move moving on. on. Okay, moving on. When a woman says to you, "No, nah, I can't do that," they're like, "Why? Why? Why can't you do that for me? What's wrong with you?" Yeah. Even you when it's another woman in. in the conversation, right? We still right. feel I, like we're owed. Like, we still, oh my gosh, why can't you give me more? Yeah, why can't I, you give I'm me not? more? Because I'm not. Because because I'm not. And let me tell you, like the, the empowerment from this is huge, huge. Try it. If you want to try one thing this week, try setting a boundary um, and see how that feels. And it, it, it can be something really small. Really small. Really, really small. And you'll know it when it doesn't sit right with you. It, you get this little, like I get like a little in my stomach, like a little, mm, you know, and my brain goes, eh, you know, like eh, second. And if you have to second guess, that doesn't work for you. <laughs> right. So, you know what? How about pizza tonight? Eh, no, sorry. That really doesn't work for me. <laughs> I'd rather have Chinese. And you know what? You can say that. Yeah. It's yeah. When everybody good. is making that group order and you're the only one who doesn't want that, you can suggest mm-hmm. the other thing that you actually yep. want. Or just say, I'm going to order by myself. Right. I'm going to do my yeah. own thing. 
<laughs> it's so empowering. <laughs> it really, it really, it is. really is. And those little practice moments of mm-hmm. empowerment build mm-hmm. up when you start to see like, oh, they had reactions to what I said, but everybody was able to pick themselves up and keep going. You start to get that feedback into yourself like right. that you can advocate for yourself. Right. You can figure out your boundaries where you're comfortable with. You can do this. You can totally do this. Um, and we're, we're right here with you. We are right here with you. We're going to support Figuring everybody every step of the way with this. Learning we ourselves. Are, we are learning ourselves. Then we're putting it out there. Yeah, we're not um, the masters of this. <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> so let me tell you, like a lot of our texts are between each other. You know, like I know when when it was going through with Nicole when she was going through this, I'm like, yeah, that's it. You can do it. No explanation. You don't need to. It's all good. It's all good. She's like, I don't need to. I'm like, nope, we don't need to. <laughs> you know? yep. So back and forth, we got each other on this. Um, and find that person. <laughs> and, oh, you need to find your person. Mm. Yep. You're yep. never alone. Yeah. There's always somebody hear. out there for you. We want to hear your burnout stories. And if anybody wants to be on the show, we'd love to have you on here. And we can talk about it. Like, what are you experiencing? You personally. Are you crying a lot? I know I was when I was in the depths of it. I was was angry with my family all the time Mm -hmm. because I had zero bandwidth for whatever it was they were bringing to me because I was burned out. And And the easiest people to take it out on is your, is unfortunately your family. Yeah. Not because you're not going to take it out on your patients, right? On your moms. Yeah. So they bore the brunt of so much of my burnout. Um, and I had the humility of going to them and saying, I'm so sorry that mm-hmm. you had to go through that. But that's where mine would show up. Very short views. No bandwidth. Short views. That's what I would always None. say. I have no bandwidth for that. And it's such an honest thing to say. You're really putting it out there. Yep. So that's what we're going to, that's what we're aiming for. We want to hear from you. Yeah. And um, I hope that this conversation was a little more, um, <laughs> make, well, I don't know. I don't know if anything we do or say makes sense, but I hope it, it wasn't just your typical magazine article burnout um, conversation. I mean, I really hope nope. that you're able to take something and be able to um, use that as food and energy for because you, know, you matter. Mm-hmm. You guys really you matter. Do matter. We love yep. you guys. We love midwifery. We, oh, we do. We love it. Yes, we love midwives. Love our practice. All right, so stay. Um, I think we're going to wrap this up for today. And we will be back to you next week. So until then, another please. great topic that we yes. um, haven't identified yet. But yep, um, no, we haven't, and that's okay because we're living joyfully right now, and we're making a boundary around that. <laughs> so not, and again, Emily Nagoski, who also wrote "Come as You Are," we'll talk about that at another show. I um, love, yes, love. We, I would love to that. be able to have a conversation with her, but I'm thinking yeah, she's maybe, out of our maybe reach. She, I don't think so. I I don't think so. We'll meet her. You know what? When the when the universe decides it's time for us to, she'll come into our life. Yeah. 
right? I recommend so, but, Come As You Are to so many of my patients yes, too. Just a little yes. extra plug. If you're not aware of that book, please get this one, which I don't have and I need. Yeah, but burnout. also Come As You Are is amazing. Oh, it's so good because we're just all in our heads as women. It's where we yeah. live in this freaking brain. Yeah. Um, okay. So stay tuned and come back next week. Bye, everyone. We love you. Yes, we I will drive my tank down every road they haven't paid. Glamorous rage, the motion we need to blow up the roof and tear up the street. I'm a wild